Hi, this is Steffi and welcome to the Financial Fox Bitcoin series. 2023 is proving to be a big year for Bitcoin and one development that has been making waves is the rise of Bitcoin ordinals. But what exactly are ordinals? What are Bitcoin NFT and what impact are they having on the Bitcoin network? Well, in this episode, we delve into the fascinating world of ordinals, Bitcoin NFT, and also Bitcoin tokens. These groundbreaking developments on the Bitcoin blockchain are paving the way for new possibilities and opportunities. And joining us is Brian Lochtland, co-founder of Ordinals Bot and the creative mind behind the Satoshibles NFT project. I'm really excited to share this conversation I had with Brian. I learned many new things about Satoshis and about Bitcoin. And I hope that you're going to have a good insight on Bitcoin ordinals and Bitcoin NFTs. If you have any comment or feedback, please feel free to reach out to me at Stefixi on Twitter or by email at steffi at financialfox.news. And if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, click the subscribe button now and follow us on social media to stay up to date with our news and interviews. Hey, Brian, how are you? Good, thanks. How's it going, Steffi? Yeah, it's good. It's great to have you on the show. It's been a while that we said that we were going to do it. I remember we met in Miami and we chatted about doing uh, this interview. And finally, here we are. You have been a busy man. Yeah, it's been basically nonstop since February, but even more so since Bitcoin Miami. Uh, that was a great time, great conference. It was great to meet you there as well. Yeah, well, we have seen uh, inscription, transaction and activity going through the roof in the last few months. So if we go back to the basics, can you explain to us what are ordinals, what are Bitcoin inscription and also all this activity that has got around, let's do NFT on Bitcoin, let's do Web3 on Bitcoin. So where it all started, really? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, that's the thing that's really captured people's uh, attention when you say NFTs on Bitcoin. Obviously, we had a huge, big bull run in 2021 on Ethereum, and the NFTs exploded on Ethereum. Um, but Bitcoin was kind of on the sidelines. No one from the Bitcoin ecosystem even jumped over to Ethereum to interact with us. So now when people start to say NFTs are Bitcoin, it does grab a lot of people's attention. But to rewind it back to where all this kind of started, it's actually started a couple of years ago. So um, I got into the space quite early on. So I, got in, I looked at it about the end of January and then started getting into it uh, by the beginning of February. And then since then, you know, we've had over 16 million of these things being inscribed onto Bitcoin. Okay, so it's been super, super huge growth. Okay, I'm going to stop you here because right. I want you to tell a little bit about your journey in, uh, I mean, is in Bitcoin, in crypto. But, uh, but you know, we can say actually Bitcoin because you are the creator of the Satoshi Ball, which, uh, you know, Satoshi, the big Satoshi. And then from there, you can also lead uh, into the project that you have been busy with, which is Ordinal Bots. And then we can go back talking about Ordinals. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, my journey started around about um, 2017. I got into crypto. Um, I was just looking at the technology. I really liked the look of Bitcoin and, and, and read the white paper, really kind of understood and felt that something huge and impactful could happen with this and um, really fell in love also with the concept of, like, nobody knows who Satoshi is. You know, he's the guy that released the white paper. Um, but nobody knows his true identity, and I really loved that. This guy just appeared out of nowhere, dropped this thing in the universe, and then just disappeared. It's like the most amazing story ever, so I was always captivated by that story. Um, and then in 2017, I started investing a little bit in cryptocurrencies, uh, not just Bitcoin, but I bought some other tokens around the place. And, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm a terrible investor, so I, didn't, you know, I just held on for dear life through through all the all the bear markets. I just held on. Um, but, you know, dabbling in different things, just seeing what each cryptocurrency basically offered. Right. And then kind of fell in love with Ethereum because of the smart contract capability, the fact that you could build stuff there. And then during 2019, 2020, kind of fell down the DeFi rabbit hole. 
um, got involved in many a rug pull, lost some tokens, but had fun during the way. Like I, I, I love the adage of like don't invest more than you're willing to lose, and I really had that from the beginning. Fortunately for me, um, and and I definitely lost some, but it wasn't the end of the world. So I just kept dabbling around, and then. During the end of uh, 2020, basically, started the DeFi summer thing <clears throat> started to cool down, and everyone started to talk a lot about, about NFTs. So I looked into it. I kind of knew what NFTs were from the from the you know the CryptoPunks and obviously the CryptoKitties and things like that. Um, and I, I knew like the concept of them, and 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 then there's seen that projects started to get released at the end of 2020. And I thought I'm going to try one as well. Um, and I had this idea of make, making one around about the lore of Satoshi Nakamoto, basically, and then like making a really varied collection, and then kind of have the the, the slogan saying that we are all Satoshi, and it's like a, a community collection kind of thing. Um, I'm not an artist, so I had to find an artist, and um, I was lucky enough to find our artist who's still with the project, Ayub. He's a young artist from Morocco. He's a fantastic comic book artist. So we started, I think it was just about the end of December 2020. Um, and then by June 2021 is when we launched the project. So it took all those months to really get the artwork that we wanted to. I was also learning smart contract development myself to launch the actual NFT. Yeah, and then we launched it in June 2021. That's when NFTs absolutely exploded. We minted all 5,000 that weekend. Craziest weekend of my life. Like, literally, like, you know, all these people just had a community overnight, basically, and they were all really excited about the project. I was excited. We, we made a bunch of Ethereum. It was just really amazing weekend. Um, and then since then, I've been basically building that community and working on that project full time. I quit my job basically the same weekend and just went all in on it. And then, you know, yeah, basically, and then and then in 2021, you know, it kind of really was difficult to build an NFT project there. There was thousands getting released and then also the bear market hit and everything really calmed down by the end of 2021 and it was it was a struggle to keep things afloat, you know. So I had to look around for other forms of employment just to keep myself, like, under a roof, you know, while I was doing this NFT thing by the end of 2021 and then by the start of 2022, basically just decided to, to cash out enough to pay myself to really go at this NFT thing. Um, and then I uh, we created an NFT bridge, basically, because I wanted to bridge over to Stacks blockchain, which we can talk about later. Um, and, you know, I, I so my, my whole community was on board with this, so we developed this bridge to go to Stacks. Um, and we bridged from Ethereum to Stacks, which is basically a Bitcoin um, blockchain. Uh, so it's basically a, a layer two on top of Bitcoin that enables smart contract functionality there. So obviously having a Satoshi-style style, uh, Satoshi style NFT collection, I wanted to get that presence on Bitcoin. So we went kind of all in on Stacks then, and that was all my 2022 journey basically, uh, was, was try to build out this community there on Stacks. But again, the bear market was brutal even then, and um, and by the end of 2022, basically, uh, kind of found another job, and then by January, uh, by the end of January, when the Ordinals thing came along, um, I seen an opportunity, uh, grabbed a guy that I know, uh, he was also working on something similar, we teamed up, and then we launched Ordinals Bot and on the 7th of February this year, um, and it's just been an absolute rocket ship since then. Um, so yeah, that's the whole kind of journey. Um, Satoshi was Ordinals bots kind of mixed together. Um, you know, a lot of my time's on Ordinals bot right now to just try to build it into a business. Uh, but it's been really fun. What an amazing journey as like a crypto entrepreneur. That's brilliant. So tell me Bitcoin NFT. Okay, so people are excited about you. Oh, I want to do, I want to do it. Actually, how can you make a Bitcoin NFT? Yeah, so when you talk about Bitcoin NFTs, um, specifically in the Ordinals ecosystem, you're essentially talking about inscriptions. And it's a funny buzzword that doesn't really come up anywhere else when you, on other chains when you talk about inscriptions. So there's a couple of buzzwords there. There's inscriptions, there's ordinals, there's yeah. digital artifacts, there's NFTs. So there's a lot of things happening and it's hard to get your head around it. But essentially, um, when you say inscription, it means you're actually burning the, the data on the Bitcoin blockchain inside the transaction. So this is a stark contrast to the likes of Ethereum where you'd have a smart contract and then you would just have a pointer to an image which is maybe hosted on IPFS or on AWS or somewhere else. Um, so the image on most NFT collections actually are not on-chain, whereas on Ordinals, because of, because of this inscription thing, they are on-chain. Um, 
you take the the data that you put on chain and you you apply Casey's ordinal theory on top to essentially um, link link that data to a, to an index where we can say okay this is inscription number one hundred and fifty five, which links to Satoshi number one trillion four hundred fifty six, which has this data in it. So that's the kind of flow of how it connects to the blockchain itself and also the ordinal theory is sitting on top. So, okay, Brian, can you just explain? The, the single Satoshi, because I think uh, I want people also to understand this, but I mean, is another buzzword or a keyword, let's call it like that, a keyword. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that it's really a completely different setup from coming from Ethereum or Solana or Binance or any of those chains. It's really not smart contract related. It's all pure Bitcoin. There's no change to the Bitcoin network to enable ordinals. It's all just the way Bitcoin is. And the way Bitcoin works is it's all based on UTXOs, which are essentially um, buckets of Satoshis, which make up uh, transactions. And when you say Satoshi, that means basically one single unit of Bitcoin, actually the smallest unit of Bitcoin. So it's like one cent in a dollar is the smallest unit in a dollar. A Satoshi is the smallest unit in a Bitcoin. And for every one Bitcoin, there's actually a hundred million Satoshis inside that Bitcoin. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a huge, there's a huge yeah. number of Satoshis out there. And when, you, when people are saying, I'm inscribing onto a single sat, that's because the way the ordinals theory works is it's, it, you are targeting one single Satoshi. So a UTXO is like an array of Satoshis, basically. And the very first one on that array at the bottom is the one that gets inscribed onto. It's called the sat point zero. It's the one that gets inscribed onto. So, so for, one, uh, for one NFT, for example, how many inscription do you need? It's just one? Just, just one, yeah. One Satoshi? Yeah, well, that, that, that's the thing. So you can't just transfer one Satoshi to someone and, and, and I can transfer one to you, you can transfer one to me. It's not like that. Um, UTXOs are passed around and the as I said, if I, if I send you a, a, a transaction, essentially, we have to use a little bit of the fee in there as well because it's, it's uh, you know that's why it's a bundle of Satoshi because a, a part of that is for the fee. So there's a there's a, a a thing built into the into the blockchain essentially. If I try and send you one satoshi, it would just get lost in the fees. So that's why you've got a thing called the dust limit, which is the minimum number of satoshis in a transaction. I think it's five hundred forty six satoshis in a transaction. That's the minimum I can send to you. So whenever you receive an ordinal, the the minimum satoshis in that inside that inside that UTXO that I'm sending you is five hundred and forty six. That's the minimum, and on the very zero point of that, the first satoshi in that five hundred forty six is where the data is actually written onto. So um, that's basically how, how how it all works. And um, by default, uh, we're usually sending around ten thousand satoshis in these UTXOs, just in case you know, the wallets don't support it and we need to start spending fees as they get transferred around. But um, that's that's not a case anymore. Some of the wallets have updated it, but that's 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 what it means when you can't just send someone one Satoshi. Okay, so over the last couple of months, you said you have seen so many inscriptions, so so many people creating Bitcoin NFT. Is that what you are, you are referring to? Well, yes. I mean, the, you know, when I say 16 million inscriptions, that does not mean necessarily 16 min million individual sats it means that we have inscribed not us personally the whole ecosystem has inscribed 16 million inscriptions onto a bunch onto 16 million utxos which have varying amounts of satoshis inside them so um some have 10,000 some have 5,000 it varies right whatever's in the utxo but all of them have it on that on that zero point of of each utxo um yeah so you, I mean, you were there on the big NFT bubble of 2020 uh, on Ethereum. Do you see that the last couple of months, or do you think the last couple of months have been kind of like the similar, you know, situation about on Bitcoin? Yes, I, I see a lot of similarities there. Um, I remember, you know, quite early into 2021, there was no tooling for NFTs, right? There was hardly any marketplaces. Uh, they were very rudimentary. There was no indexers, there was no aggregators. There was, you know, MetaMask was not great with NFTs. Um, and we're seeing exactly the same thing on Bitcoin. Suddenly, you've got this huge demand for people. It's even worse now because people have the expectations of Ethereum, right? They know what they need, so they come to Bitcoin and they're like, where is it? And you're like, oh, 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 we've not had it before. We need to, we need to build these things. But the amount of development that's happened in the last six months has been 
really crazy, like speed-wise, you know. It took Ethereum a good year and a half or two years to get to a good point. It's only took six months for people, for the ecosystem essentially, to come to a nice, you know, late level of maturity. There's, there's a ton of way to go. But in six months, we've got marketplaces, we've got wallets, we've got inscription tools like myself, which is a completely new service. Um, and, and we've got indexers, all without changing Bitcoin in any way. So we're building on top of Bitcoin and we're building all these new things. And one of the really exciting things for me being a front-end UX person is, is that amazing demand that's coming in with, from retail users saying, I don't want to follow a 25-step GitHub tutorial to, click, to understand how these things work. I want to install something, click a button and get my, get my NFT or my ordinal. So this demand of thousands of people coming into the space is is driving developers to, to to give that to give that to people, you know. So we've seen some great wallets with their great UX come into the space, like X version Hero Wallet, make it really easy for people to just install a Bitcoin wallet with with native ordinal support, and you can see your ordinals in there and everything. And, and six months ago, that didn't exist. Yeah. And then then services like mine, I created ordinals bot in February. What we do essentially is we make it really easy for people to create these things. So you simply go to our website, you drag and drop a file, and then we'll take that file, inscribe it for you, and then send it to your Xverse wallet or your Hero wallet. Without a service like ours, you would have to run your own Bitcoin node, and you'd have to run the Ordinals indexer as well at the same time. The Ordinals indexer takes about seven days right now to sync. So there's a huge technical hurdle for normal people to jump on and just make these things. And that's where me and my co-founder have seen a very clear use case uh, way back in February. And we were one of the first ones to automate that process and launch it in, in February 7th. Well, I remember when we were uh, at the Bitcoin Miami conference, your booth was always busy. It was like, where? Where? The party is just here. So <laughs> um, tell me a little bit more. So how does it work i mean doing an inscription for example and and also i also want to get to the point right why somebody or a brand or a company or an individual want to do an nft an, in, an inscription on bitcoin an nft collection on bitcoin rather than going to ethereum what is the usp that you say okay i choose bitcoin not just because you know it's a hype and everybody is having a party so we want to be there i mean is there anything else that will say that's probably the best place to um, you know have our product yeah, so the technical part right now at the beginning, um, the way it works is you can inscribe any file type at all. The technical term is it's actually getting it's getting saved into the, the witness data on the transaction, which is a new um, thing that was, a new feature that was released because of the taproot, taproot upgrade on Bitcoin. Um, previously, there was a one megabyte transaction limit for, 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 for file size and for information on one transaction. And this taproot um, upgrade allowed an extra three megabytes on top of that, giving you a total of four megabytes for a for a for a block essentially for a tra- for one transaction. And um, the seg data, seg segregated witness data, is basically just like an in- like an empty slot where you can just throw anything into any kind of data into, and it's separate from the actual transaction data. So the idea, the concept was, is just to give other information to this transaction other than just payment information, which can open up many, many use cases for that. And uh, one of them being the, the, or- the Ordinals ecosystem adopted it for was to put a big block of file data just directly on chain in there. And then the, um, the Ordinals Explorer essentially looks for that data and can parse it. So you can put raw images or videos and music we've seen games going on there so people uploaded like tetris and different things directly on chain now as well on bitcoin and that data and that data slot um so that's technically how it works you're literally storing this stuff on chain and then Is the reason any, any limit brian on the size i mean of the file or the information that you can inscribe yeah there's definitely limits you know there's um the standard transaction size on bitcoin is 400 kilobytes um, on Ordinals Bot and most other services, we limit that to 350 kilobyte file size just to be safe. So that's quite small compared to 
you know, a high resolution image might be 16 megabytes, right? When you're talking about 350 kilobytes, it's quite small. Um, but you can inscribe all the way up to the block limit, which is four megabytes, but that's anything above 400 kilobytes is called a non-standard transaction. However, you can contact a miner and then they can essentially push it through for you because they can mine blocks, right? So they can reserve a full block, a full four megabyte block for you and, and fill it with your file. And actually this happened exactly with the Bit, Bit, Bitcoin Wizards, um, Taproot Wizards project. One of the first things they did was inscribe a four megabyte, the first one of the first four megabyte JPEGs. Um, and it was a huge splash at the time. Um, so those are the limits. And that's been a little bit of a tricky thing for us when you have artists who come to you and want to inscribe onto Bitcoin and then they have to compress their files you know, down to, to under 500, under 400 kilobytes, you know, it's been, it's been a, a bit of a um, hurdle for them because, you know, they want their artwork as crispy and huge as possible. They don't want to have to optimize it and compress it down. Um, but there's been other advancements in the space since then, um, some called recursion, which I can get into if you're interested. But yeah, there's a, there's a couple of new concepts basically that allow for other projects to, to mint their NFT at a larger size. So basically, just a push of a button, right? I've got my file that don't have to be too big, uh, around 350, and then I, I just uh, upload it on your website, and then I click a button, and then you do all the work in your, um, behind the scene. Yeah, that's what we're all about. So we're all about automation. Basically, we want to take all the steps away from the end user and make it really easy. So when you drag and drop onto our website, um, there's actually an option if you want to optimize it. We've got an optimization tool. If you've optimized it yourself, you can just uncheck that and then upload the file. We'll essentially take the file on our on our system and then you can specify where you want the end inscription sent to. So it'll be your Xverse address or your hero address, you send that. And then you can actually choose also what kind of Satoshi you want inscribed on. So this is a whole other thing that we should get into, which is called yeah, yeah, rare, rare Satoshis. I'll get into it. Remind me to get back to that. But basically, you can choose what kind of Satoshi you want to inscribe onto. And then you can also customize your fee. So similar to Ethereum, where I don't know if you're familiar, but you can change the fee to like fast and medium and slow. You can do something similar on Bitcoin as well, where you're essentially setting the, the, the fee based on the mempool. So um, a great website is mempool.space. If you go there, you'll see all the blocks and you'll see the current state of the Bitcoin blockchain. You'll see if it's really high or low and, and, and then you'll be able to choose your fee based on that. We give recommendations of like slow, medium and fast already on the tool. So it makes it really easy. But you can also click the custom option and choose whatever one you want. And then you'll see a, an updated price right away. We'll show you the price of what the inscription will cost. And then you click the button and then that's it. You pay and then we'll inscribe it for you. Okay, so the, let's go step by step. So we, we kind of say, fine, let's do it. We click the bottom. Uh, first of all, how do you choose which Satoshi you want to inscribe? Right. So this is a whole, not a new thing, but it's part of Casey's original ordinal theory. Um, and it's one thing that really excited him about ordinal theory was this concept of forgetting about the inscription, forgetting about the files, whatever you put on there. The actual Satoshis themselves are also collectible. Okay. Meaning, so for example, there's uncommon Satoshis that he's made, uh, put out there and says, these might be cool because they're, they're uncommon, which means an uncommon Satoshi is basically the first Satoshi mined in a block. So there's, there's about 50 odd blocks, Bitcoin blocks mined every day, which means there's 50 uncommon Satoshis mined every single day. And then when you st when you extrapolate that until the end of time, when all 21 million Bitcoin are, are essentially mined, there'll be around, I think it's seven and a half million blocks of that time, meaning there'll be about seven and a half million of these uncommon things. Now, seven and a half million sounds like a lot, doesn't sound very uncommon, but when you consider that there's a hundred million Satoshis on a Bitcoin, right? And there's like 50 Bitcoin mined every single day, for the last hundred years, you know, it's, it, there's a there's over a there's trillions and trillions of satoshis going to be mined, and only seven million of them during that whole time will be these uncommon ones. So, and then you've got rare ones, which are uh, the first satoshi of the first block of a halfening event, so every four years. So this, and he's just it's just because it's numeric, he's been able to um, 
basically attribute these these like rare rare properties to these things, and the community has really really loved that, and they've said, "Oh, these are this is cool." So basically, it's like um, you know you have those dollar coins, which might be very special from eighteen hundreds, and it has the backwards the backwards head or something. It's that kind of thing. It's that kind of rare coin aspect. Um, another cool cool thing is it's like um, it's like taking a hundred dollar bill and then like. Uh, getting Madonna to sign it or something like that, you know, like it's that kind of concept. Um, and then that's just the the kind of the the, the built-in thing to the ordinal theory is like what Casey outlined. And then since then, other people have came out and said, you know what, th those are cool, but these are also cool, and they're not related to block times or anything, but they're related to a transaction. So I don't know if you're familiar. Years ago, a guy paid ten thousand Bitcoin for, for a pizza. pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. So people have been trying to find the the exact satoshis, the exact Bitcoin from those ten thousand, and inscribe onto them. Right, and they're called pizza sats. So when when you hear pizza sats in the Ordinals ecosystem, it's talking about taking one of those satoshis from that famous transaction, ten thousand Bitcoin. And inscribing your image onto that. So, so first of all, right, I guess those uncommon rare pizza satoshi, they are more it's more expensive to inscribe on them than the normal one, right? Yeah, because of the rarity aspect, it's more than, yeah, exactly. Fine. That's one thing. The second thing is, how can you identify or how can you know you you know you are choosing choosing those and then as i'm the the one making the inscription and obviously holding then the encryption inscription how can i show that actually this is a rare satoshi i mean well, i know there's all a culture around it but i'm just saying how can you prove that it's a great question it's all on-chain data first of all so it's not it's not an external um thing that someone just made up so it's all on chain um and it's based on a bitcoin you know technical aspect of bitcoin called sat ranges so there's um these when bitcoins are mined they're mined in these things called sat ranges um i'm really winging it here because i'm a front end guy so i'm really yeah. <laughs> struggling to like give you this real, te like real technical yeah. but essentially, essentially it's sat ranges right um and uh, that's how you can identify it. The Ord client itself, the, the client that Casey released as part of the Ordos theory, yeah. has some built-in functionality where you can you can search for wallets already for the uncommon ones, but he didn't know about or, or he didn't include those the pizza ones and the other special ones uh, in, his, in his Explorer. And the way that the community has essentially all agreed on this is basically because you look at the transaction what that happened, you know, that there's a it's in the block it's in the blockchain, right? It's at one point that transaction happened. And when you look into that tra transaction, you can basically extract all of the SAT ranges yeah. of, of that transaction. And then you know any Satoshi that's in that range is basically one of the pizza sats. So these these SAT ranges are basically being shared around the ecosystem. They're all matching and everyone's agreeing, yep, these are the ones um, and there's other ones like, for example, um, Satoshis that were um, mined by Hal Finney, who is also a really one of the early Bitcoin devs back in the day, Hal Finney. So th th those are the Hal Finney sats. And then you've got even just early ones. So people are really interested in inscribing from sats from 2009, 2010, because there was literally only like Satoshi, Hal Finney, a couple of other people using the network at that time. So these are like really early early adopters of and, and these sats are still still exist on the network yeah it's just it's just mind-blowing what uh, you know you go down to the nitty-gritty and then you discover all a new world okay yeah. very very interesting so okay so then let's say that i choose to inscribe on uncommon then uh, the ins the inscription that comes to my xverse wallet right as ordinals am i correct you send That's, them yep. from ordinals but they come to my Xver wallet. Now, question about this, because timing between, uh, you know, transfer of these assets is quite, is quite long. It's much longer than what is on Ethereum. What we are talking about, you know, days, minutes, uh, you know, hours. So, as, as I mentioned, Ordinal Theory is built on top of Bitcoin with no changes to Bitcoin whatsoever. 
Yeah. Um, so we, it's just a Bitcoin question then. And Bitcoin blocked, block times are um, essentially on average 10 minutes. So you're yeah. waiting 10 minutes for a Bitcoin block to, to confirm. Um, and there's been cases where the network's, you know, really busy and it might take longer than 10, 10 minutes when everyone's trying to push through the same fee rate. The, the blocks can basically, you know, blow up and then it's hard for that for that to confirm. A miner has to basically agree to block to mine that block. So um, it's much, much, you know, it's slower than what happens on the likes of Ethereum where it's, you know, every 15 seconds essentially a block gets confirmed on Ethereum. But it's not just random. The 10 minute block time is all part of the big the cogs that are moving in the whole system of Bitcoin and it all adds to the security of the network. The block size and the block time, it's all connected to, to just basically making Bitcoin the most secure blockchain that exists, essentially. Um, and it is a bit of a shock for people to come from maybe even a blockchain like Solana, where it's instant, to to Bitcoin, put a transaction through and have to wait 10 minutes. This is like the end of the world for some people, you know, so it is a little bit of a a hurdle to try and get over but once you get used to it it's fine you click yeah. it you wait it's done it's, yeah, it's not the end of the world right um, it took me a day to get one of my <laughs> ordinance in my wallet but at, uh, at the end it arrives so okay so i've got now the ordinance in my wallet right now let's say that so you may you inscribe now i want to create a collection how do i do it where do i go do I have to mint the Bitcoin, the Satoshi, or the Ordinals? Uh, help me, help me to, you know, how do you actually move uh, uh, next step? Yeah, the collections came really quickly to Ordinals, actually. You know, we, when we started in February, there was a lot of people just, you know, uploading photos of their cat, just testing things out, a lot of memes, and just a lot of single people doing, doing single trans uh, inscriptions. And then as that, things started to heat up, we started to see people have launch collections there. Um, one of the early ones was actually a kind of clone of CryptoPunks called Bitcoin Punks. So they have an orange background, essentially. Um, and you just basically, um, you'd have to inscribe those 10,000 times, basically. And, and the way that they did that, the collection did that, is they didn't uh, inscribe it themselves. They handed it over to the community and says, hey, you know what? The first person to inscribe this exact image gets it. Anyone else who inscribes the same image afterwards doesn't get it. So that was how collections began on Ordinals, was just this mad rush of people trying to be first to inscribe that exact image, which was really intense, right? When you've got thousands of people like really uh, passionately trying to get this image, and then maybe you know, you're, you've inscribed the second or third one of the same one, and you don't get it. It's a, it's, it was a big letdown, right? Um, so that was the kind of narrative at the beginning. People were doing this first-come, first-serve minting technology, um, which was okay. It got the job done. And then um, other people just straight up paid for it. So really early, um, I actually launched, obviously, Satoshables on Ethereum, as I mentioned. But I created with my artist 100 new ones with new ordinals traits and everything, just so because I wanted to have a, a presence on ordinals. So... I just inscribed them all. We made a hundred of them and I inscribed them all. And it was quite expensive. I mean, it cost me like $6,000 to do. Um, yeah, to put them on there myself. So you inscribe them first, then you mint them, right? And you can mint them well. Is that correct? Is I'm using the right terminology? Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about collections, you can definitely mention minting, right? I think yeah. that's, the, that's the thing everyone understands. There's two ways of minting a collection on ordinals. One is minting a pre-inscribed collection, which is what Satoshiables were. Yeah. I paid, as a project, I paid up front and I inscribed all 100. So I have all 100 in my wallet. And then I have control over them, of course. So I can distribute them any way I want. And I launched the 50 of them. <clears throat> so I launched 50, uh, I gave 50 away to my community. And then I launched 50 on, on uh, through Magic Eden. They use, um, a way to do that is using partially signed Bitcoin transactions, which is another technology on top of Bitcoin. Essentially saying, I'm going to load this up here um, partially with my ordinal, and I'm saying I want X amount of Bitcoin for it. And anybody can basically say, I'll, I'll give you that Bitcoin. And then once he gives the Bitcoin, 
the transaction is complete, it swaps then. And that's just basically built into Bitcoin. So pre-inscribed collections on Bitcoin are based on PSBT, partially signed Bitcoin transaction yeah. technology. So it's one way to go, but it's really expensive for projects or artists to do that, to get to get involved in that. And I, I, I kind of seen that early on as well. And I thought, what's the other way of doing it? And I came up with this idea of like lazy inscriptions, essentially where give us your images, you know, we'll optimize them, make sure everything's good for you. But we'll take control of the images. And then just like our minting, uh, our inscription UI on the front end, where you drag and drop the files and then we inscribe for you, we'll have a minting flow where we have the images. And then as people mint one, two or three of them, once they pay, we'll take three randomly from the, the folder and then inscribe those three for them. So it's like this lazy kind of a, yeah. We have the files and we inscribe them on demand, essentially inscription on demand. Okay. Inscription on demand, um, like that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And that way the creator is not paying anything up front. Yeah. It, it offloads the cost to the mentors. Okay, so question is, you mentioned about Magic Eden. Obviously, Ordinas Bot has also a market, has also got a marketplace for collection. So any other places where people go to kind of launch their, their collection, yeah, kind of like NFT marketplace uh, or inscription marketplace, the way that we want to call it, where people, you know, can trade, can see what's up there. Yeah, so Ordnospot's not got a marketplace yet. Um, okay. You know, we, since the beginning, we've been looking at it and trying to figure out what our strategy might be. And we've got some plans to do something, not necessarily directly a marketplace, but more the tooling around a bit of marketplace. So we're, we're currently developing that. But Magic Eden are, you know, a huge project they came from solana and they have ethereum now as well but they, they, they captured a massive market on the solana blockchain for collections launching there and also you know s selling the collection through their marketplace and it was really exciting for everybody in the ordinal space to see magic eden jump in and just go all in basically on ordinals um and and launch their own essentially marketplace uh, on on their website for just ordinals only, um, and I think it was two two, or two months ago now or three months ago, I got a DM from someone from Magic Eden. I thought it's definitely a scam, right? It's not, it's not <laughs> correct. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and as we went to, it actually was Magic Eden, and they they basically looked at our tool, and we have our API available since day one, um, and 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 they wanted to basically us to inscribe for them for their collections that are launching on their new launch pad. I mentioned the pre-inscribed collections. They didn't really want to go down the lazy minting road. They wanted us to do pre-inscribed collections and do them out and launch them. So many of the collections that have launched on Magic Eden, we did through Ordinal's bot. We've, okay. you know, one-to-one -one with the collector, optimized the images, you know, went through the whole process, inscribed, inscribed them all for them, and gave Magic Eden essentially the JSON file to, to list them on their marketplace. Um, other great marketplaces that are in the ecosystem is Gamma.io, um, and they also have an inscription service as well. Um, and then there's, there's other ones cropping up, but I think that what we are at Ordinal Spots really interested in is actually the partially Bitcoin, partially signed Bitcoin transaction technology in general. The fact that it's just an, a trustless way of just swapping an Ordinal for a, a bit of Bitcoin. So we're building a lot of tooling around about that, basically. And we're going to launch something, but we're also going to launch a tooling around it to make to make it more open to everybody to get to get involved and essentially just launch their own marketplace, right? To make it really easy for people just to launch their own stuff. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of road we're going down there. Question: As a creator, that's obviously a very important question. Do royalty exist on Bitcoin? Not at the moment. No, you know it's been really difficult to try and fit the mold of Ethereum into Bitcoin because there's no smart contracts. Royalties are really easy to do on on Ethereum, for example, because it's a smart contract. You can do anything you want. Money comes in. You can we can set addresses there. You can build standards around it, and you can do anything you want with a smart contract. Um, with partially signed Bitcoin transactions, however, it, it it could be possible because, as I mentioned, you have an input and you have an output. The output being here's my ordinal, and the input being here is what I, here's the Bitcoin I need in here to be able to release this ordinal to you. And with you can have multiple inputs and multiple outputs on these transactions. Right. So some of those multi, one of those one of those inputs might be just the inscription fee. Another one might be a royalty fee, and another one might be a service fee, and a, a minting fee. And then the output it could be the ordinal goes to that address, 
and the royalty fee goes to the creator address and the service fee goes to the, the, the marketplace. So there is ways of building royalties into PSBTs and we're just really early days on that. So it's not impossible, but we're really early days and, and there might be a standard built around it and everything over time and we'll find the best way to do it. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not impossible. So, so basically, here we're we talking about mainly PFP, right? That's kind of like the main use case award, you know, so far. Do you see any other use case that you think could be valuable for ordinals? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a new data layer on, Bic- on the internet, essentially. So ordinals is doing to data on Bitcoin what Bitcoin did to payments, right? So payment, Bitcoin offered a new payments infrastructure, but now through Ordinals, it's offering a new data layer infrastructure. So it's the most secure data layer that's ever existed, essentially, because it's on the most secure blockchain. So that opens up a whole door of, uh, you know, a whole avenue of different things, not just for PFPs and NFT collections, but anyone who wants to store data trustlessly on a chain that's the most secure and nobody can you know, take off, take offline or censor it, you can do that. So we've seen many things crop up over the, over the time and some being domain names. So for example, I can get Brian.sats, S-A-T-S. It's very similar to .eth domain names on Ethereum. Um, the names, the, D, the ENS namespacing system has kind of happened the same way on ordinals where people are inscribing .sats names. There's been over 300,000 of those names registered. So that's been a thing that's not PFP related. People are looking at, you know, building out identity on Bitcoin, which is really interesting. And it's also cyclical because that happened way back in the day as well. There was domain names on Bitcoin way back in the early days. And then we've also seen people just inscribing like news articles on as text directly on Bitcoin. So you can imagine in some countries where news might be censored, you can inscribe your news on Bitcoin and it's completely uncensorable. So that kind of stuff really opens up a lot of cool avenues. And then now, uh, basically since the last three months, we've seen a huge explosion of fungible tokens, essentially meme coins now on, on, on Bitcoin through ordinals. People are inscribing, which is essentially JSON, and it's now made this whole thriving ecosystem of tokens on Bitcoin, which yeah. is really interesting. So, so that, that's, that's what I want to get into, really. BRC20 token standard is something that, you know, has, uh, has generated a lot of controversy as well. But I, I kind of wanted you to, obviously, to explain what that is, how different it is from ERC20, but also the point about enabling tokenization on the Bitcoin blockchain. Because that's quite yeah. a very interesting point, and everybody's talking about tokenization right now. I mean... Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean... Controversial is correct. It's definitely been controversial. It has opened up a lot more thought process and tooling and, and, and conversations around about ordinals in, in the space in general. And um, the way it works is essentially it's still an ordinal. It's still an inscription. There's nothing different there. You're still inscribing data onto Bitcoin. But what you're inscribing actually is just a piece of JSON, which states the, the, the name of the token, how, the amount of the token, and how many people can mint per transaction on that token. And that's that, that you deploy that to the to the blockchain. And it's based on this first is first principle that I mentioned back when the Bitcoin punks minted. So the first person to mint Steffi <laughs> is the owner of that. Um, and and basically that's how it works. It's all based on this first is first principle. It was created by a guy called Domo who just thought of this idea and put it out into the world. Uh, the first line in the documentation is it's like, don't do this, it's just experimental. These are worthless, these are worthless, don't do it. Like, that was the first line in his and documentation. And that's why everybody pile in, right? Exactly. <laughs> Everyone ignored it and just went ape, right? They went absolutely ape, you know? And he launched the first one called Ordi Token um, and deployed it with that first inscription, that first deployment inscription. And it's quite a cool concept. When you deploy that, Essentially, you're opening the gates. Then anybody can then deploy a mint inscription to mint that that based on the rules that he specified and has deploy inscription. So if you if you basically launch a token which has a 21 million supply, and per per mint transact inscription you can mint one million, then after 21 inscriptions, it's minted out. Then basically because you've minted 21 million times, tw- one million 21 times. 
Ordi, for example, I think it's 21 million total, and then you can do 1,000 per. So there was a there was a lot of inscriptions that had to happen to make that, you know, uh, minted out essentially. Um, and then people just kept inscribing and inscribing and inscribing until it was minted out. And then everyone then started deploying their own tokens, and then it kind of snowballed from there. Um, so you can imagine, because you have to make an inscription to deploy it, and then you have to make multiple inscriptions to mint it, there was a lot of inscriptions. And that's where we went from a million inscriptions to 10 million inscriptions yeah, yeah. in a matter of a couple of weeks, basically because of the BRC20 explosion. And um, is this all this inscription, I mean, we said great for uh, experimentation on Bitcoin to kind of like pushing the boundary on what Bitcoin can do. But we mentioned also about the aspect of controversy that many people think, oh, Bitcoin was built to be sound money, it was not built to be a funky, you know, things and in web three right or you know whatever uh, what would be your answer to these people yeah i i get it i really understand their point of view you know bitcoin started 14 years ago now basically and since that time there's been a lot of passionate people come into the space who really believe in the in it you know to their core they really believe it's a, it's got to change the world and they believe in, in its core principles um, and it, it's, it's created a little bit of a camp of people who are just really hardcore and don't want any changes to it. But it kind of makes them a little bit short-sighted because what they don't realise is is that Bitcoin, although it's, it's a really great payment system, it's completely trustless, there's no inflation, it's really perfect. It needs more stuff than that to be sustainable. You have to have a fee market on Bitcoin. People need to build stuff on Bitcoin so that the miners have something to mine because when all 21 million bitcoin are mined in the year 2100 or whatever it is what else is going to happen there has to be miners have to do stuff right so we need this whole um ecosystem essentially built around bitcoin which is making the blocks to keep on ticking right there's we need to fill them with stuff now ordinals has came out of nowhere and just like threw stuff at the wall and see what sticked and then People, the retail people have come in and just blew it up, right? There's by no means is this the most efficient way to create storage on Bitcoin. You know, we're just throwing raw data at Bitcoin and and blowing up the block. So there's more efficient ways to store this stuff, right? You don't, it doesn't need to be human readable. You don't need to put a human readable piece of JSON and and that on chain. You can, you know, make it into binary. You can really make it machine language. You don't have to have it. Uh, blowing up that space um but the point is we're doing it we're just doing it and yeah. i think over the last five years there's been a lot of talking and arguing and passionate debates but not a lot of doing and i think that what's all, what ordinals has done is said you know what we're just going to do this we've got to try it we've got to throw things at the wall see what sticks see what resonates with people see what causes con controversy and then talk about it by no means is this the end solution of ordinals it's got to keep the you know, evolving over time, becoming more efficient over time. You know, the people behind the project and the people like myself and everyone else in the ecosystem, we're not dumb, right? We're smart people and we know there's better ways of doing it. But we're also aware that you could just sit and argue all day long for years and not get anything done. Yeah. So that's why we're we're doing it and we're just r rapidly developing over time to try and improve it. So would Satoshi be happy of all this uh, experimentation of ordinals? Would he be happy? I mean, I can phone him and ask. What should I <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's hard to say. No, actually, you know, Satoshi did put data on chain way back at the beginning. He actually put an image of a newspaper on chain like way early on. So he himself put stuff on chain, you know, not just payment systems. Um, it's kind of like you read the white paper and you can obviously see it's really heavily orientated towards a payment system. But I think he might have understood or he might have also been an advocate of, yeah, as an ecosystem and from security aspect, you have to build other things on top of it. Um, and and just to expand on the building on top of it again, you know, I'm not I'm not saying we have to change Bitcoin. I think that the mechanics are right at the sweet spot in terms of security. And by changing the block size or the or or changing anything else, essentially, you have to compromise something. You know, if you if you increase the, the, the if you reduce the block times, you're compromising security, for example. And that's something we never want to do with Bitcoin. 
So I'm a fan of really pushing it to the limit on layer one with these partially signed Bitcoin transactions, building all the tooling we can on L1 and really trying to push it to the limit and make it efficient. But at some point, if, if there's got to be a real need for a smart contract because it's just a really complicated DeFi project and you just need a smart contract, then maybe you can build an L2 on top, which uses the smart contract functionality, but then all the, tra- all the transactions on that L2 are essentially secured and backed up by the L1, which is Bitcoin, which is the most, most secure blockchain. So I'm also an advocate of building L2s, and I'm also an advocate of building maybe larger style protocols all on top of Bitcoin, which uses basically Bitcoin as a base layer. Yeah. And all of these things combined is got to keep Bitcoin in a thriving ecosystem, which miners can then keep paying over time. And then it's all just like a big, a big machine that just works really good. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to see the human, uh, they always want to build stuff. They always want to expand. They always want to be the human mind. is just so interesting. When you see something great, then you always want to build on top of that. It's just uh, amazing. Listen, Brian, that was a great conversation for anybody that is interested in, uh, first of all, in your Satoshi Bull NFT project, we need to know where to go. And then anybody that is interested in uh, inscribing a collection or you know checking out ordinance but where can they go uh, and where they can find all the tooling that you just described yeah definitely so for satoshables you know we have a really great community already still in discord so if you go to twitter.com slash satoshables you'll see all the links there and yeah jump in the discord and the, me and the, and the team and, and all the communities just there to, to welcome you um, and then if you're really thinking about getting involved in, in bitcoin on ordinals and you want to build something through ordinals if you have maybe you have an idea or you want to launch a collection from you have a collection on another chain that you want to bring over to bitcoin um yeah we're more than happy to help you know we've we've got great experience now inscribing whole collections for people from 100 to 10,000 piece collections we can work with you one-to-one to really make sure your artwork is the best it can be through new technology like recursion and different things like that and then we'll get you from basically having your artwork to having your collection live on chain. And then we can also link you up to the marketplaces and make sure you've got that secondary sales as well. So yeah, you can go to, go to twitter.com slash ordinalsbot and you'll, get, you'll be able to DM us there. We are going to put all the details in the description and then, you know, awesome. anybody that is interested can just come and meet. I'm going to be there as well uh, in Amsterdam at the, the Bitcoin conference. So really looking forward to that in October. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was great. That was a really good chat and I had a lot of fun. Perfect. Me too. Thanks so much. Bye bye.